0: Welcome to Life After Business, the podcast, where I bring you all the information you need to exit your company and explore what life can be like on the other side. This is Ryan Tansom, your host, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the Life After Business podcast. Ryan Tansom here. Today's guest's name is Mark Miller. Mark is an amazing person. He owns an IT services business that has about 40 employees and two and a half years ago, had a really, really tragic accident where his son ended up passing away. Mark gets into how that happened and how that changed his life. Mark's title right now is the Chief Happiness Officer of Imagine IT, and he's got four principles of happiness and how he integrates happiness into his culture and to the future vision of where he wants to be as a person. I absolutely loved it. I think that some of the biggest challenges we have as entrepreneurs is living in the present moment, and Mark has really mastered that and also how to help others figure out how to do the same. This episode of Life After Business is sponsored by The Value Advantage. The Value Advantage is a platform delivered via peer groups and or one-on-one to help you build a valuable company that can thrive without you, while putting an exit plan in place so you have the options to sell when you want to who you want for how much you want. You're able to manage the business by the numbers, work in the business as much or as little as you want, and you fully understand how the business impacts your personal financials. If you want to know more, check out the show notes or the website. So I really, really hope you enjoy the episode. Mark has some amazing gold nuggets and wisdom that I think everybody can listen to and learn from. So, without further ado, here's Mark Miller. Mark, how are you doing today?
1: Great, thanks.
0: I'm really excited to have you on the show. Um, you and I have got some family history and cross crossovers that we've got, but I uh, I, I saw you speak a couple weeks ago at a local breakfast and. You know, rehearing your story and what you're doing today just I couldn't wait to get um, you on the show because I think you've figured out a lot of things in a in a very unique journey that our listeners should definitely hear. So your title today is called The Chief Happiness Officer and before we dive into exactly why right now, can you for our listeners go back and tell a bit of your story and how you got to the point to where you are today?
1: Uh, sure. So, you know, my real job, I, uh, I own an IT consulting company. Um, and I guess sort of the story that we're, that we'll talk a little bit about today is, uh, two and a half years ago, um, I had a, a son, a 19 year old son who, um, had battled through some substance abuse issues and was actually doing awesome. He was 14 months sober, had moved back to the twin cities and, uh, jumped on a skateboard one sunny fall day. Had what was described as a one in a million fall and uh, wiped out on his skateboard, landed on his head, and died. And, uh, you know, as a grieving father, you know, you're just asking a lot of questions and, and there's just a lot of confusion. And uh, I felt compelled to start a nonprofit. And so um, we started a nonprofit in Gunner's name. It's called the Gunner Project. And, um, we we landed on the, the topic and the mission of the Gunner Project is really to inspire young adults and others to, you know, wake up every morning and actively pursue happiness. And so that the main focus of what we're trying to do day in and day out is really to kinda of drive happiness um with, with everybody.
0: Well and it you know, i I absolutely when, I, I mean, I tear up when you were telling the story because it's it's such a ridiculous battle that your son went through, and then you know after all the hard work, ha- having a tragic accident like that, and you know, I think that if I know the average human being, me being right into the right into the category of all this, you had a really amazing excuse to hit bottom and to to really just blame a lot of people and blame the world for it, and. Not only did you not do that, but you continue to maintain your company, and you turned this this accident into a way to help change others and change the world. And it, can you can you kind of walk us through like how did you get to that? How did you get to this journey, and how did you de- how did you determine that happiness was the key factor that you were looking for? Yeah,
1: it's a good question. When Gunner when Gunner died. Um, you know, again, I decided to start this nonprofit. I just had I just had this feeling that I needed to do something. Um, I knew that I didn't want to uh, sit around the house and just mope and and you know ask why me, why us, why Gunner, and just ask these questions that there really is no there would never be a suitable answer for. And so I sort of took my grieving energy. You know, we when we decided to do the nonprofit, you know. Uh, we didn't really know exactly what we were going to do, what we were going to sort of focus on, and people came to us and said, you know, why don't you do something on youth addiction? I mean, uh, you know, youth addiction in our high schools especially, but at, college, at the college level also, um, you know, you just read reports. I think it's completely spiraling out of control. Um, even here in nice Minnesota, the access to, you know, really inexpensive, high-quality heroin and dope and stuff is... It's crazy accessible in the schools, and I, I think that's a, a major problem. And people said, well, why don't you focus the energies of the Gunner Project on awareness and, and youth addiction and some of that stuff. And I thought about it for a little bit and decided to not go there for a couple of reasons. One, um, you know, it was, a, it was a part of Gunner's life. It was a really important part of his life when he was going through it. Um, and it was really cool that he came out of the other side of it, you know, being sober and, and sort of having it in check um but it really didn't define him as a person and i didn't want if this gunner project has some legs and people look back on this thing you know 10 20 years from now i didn't want them to look back on gun and say oh yeah he was that addict kid because it mm-hmm. was although it was an important part of his life it it didn't define him as a person at all and so and the other reason is you know there are a lot of multi-million multi-billion dollar um entities out there that are putting a lot of time and effort and money into this thing and so I wasn't sure how much I would be able to move the needle with that. So we decided to not go that way. You know, another group of people said, you know, why don't you do something on helmet safety? Because had Gunnar been wearing a helmet, he'd be still hanging around with us today. Um, That's that's absolutely true. Um, He would have scraped up his elbow a little bit, but he would be in college right now doing his deal. But similarly, I think there are a lot of programs out there right now that are in the schools and are in, you know, talking to kids about helmet safety, and so... I just wasn't sure what impact I would be able to have. And so, as people, you know, we just got these just thousands of letters, uh, you know, of condolence, and and people were sending us emails and texts and voicemails. And and there became a consistent thread through all of these messages that said, you know, Gunner had this really unique ability to make me happy. And and so that's where the Gunner project and sort of the thrust of the project, you know, ended up being uh, focused on this idea of happiness. So.
0: Well, and you, you know, I, so as entrepreneurs and our listeners and everybody, I mean, you experienced a very traumatic event like this, and there's other people where they haven't experienced something like this, but you took that and you did, you did a ton of research on it, didn't you? I mean, you were explaining how you went diving into what is happening, because it's a very intangible thing. I mean, I, it, and I, I can't remember if it was in your speech or if it was somewhere else where it, the difference between being happy and the pursuit of happiness and so, can you share with us, like, how did you manage to like dive into the research, and what were some of your findings of this intangible thing we call happiness?
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's a crazy, you know, happiness is, you know, you know, it's a it's a buzzword now, right? I mean, there were more books I think written in in twenty fifteen than had ever been written, you know, from the beginning of time. You know, it's just it's a it's a buzzword now, and there's a lot out there, but as you sort of dive into the research, and you're exactly right, you know, I just, I just sort of just dove in. I, I had this grieving energy, and, and, and again, I just decided that instead of sitting around the house and feeling sorry for myself and my family, I just used the energy to kind of motivate me to, to go out there and find stuff, and so I just got my hands on every book I could find, and I, I, I read them, you know, I just, I read hundreds of books. I, there's a ton of great information on, you know, TED Talks, and YouTube, and, and I just devoured, you know, thousands of hours of just watching other people talk about it. And then I actually went to the point of downloading some, you know, some of these major research studies that you can get online and, you know, and, and pounding through a 200 page scientific document is, is, it's just not my deal, right? It's not, I don't speak that language and it's really painful. And, but I just kind of just, I just kind of dove in and did it. And I, I kept coming up with sort of the same things and, and the, the disappointing thing to a certain degree is, you know, there's there's nothing about happiness that we don't already know, right? All these studies, that didn't make any difference if they were studying identical twins who had been separated at birth, if they were studying, you know, how people age and how happiness affects them or different income levels or races or whatever. They kept coming up with the same stuff. and and And, and it's a bit of a paradox because everybody says every day, you know, I'm searching for happiness and I'm not happy enough. And yet the things that make us happy really fall into four super obvious buckets. You know, they say healthy people are more happy than unhealthy people. And you you take that statement and you say, oh, duh. I mean, that's, that's obvious, right? But we have a tough time doing that every day. You know, they say that the research shows that people who are intellectually engaged, who have a job that they find challenging and rewarding and they're creating new things or, you know, that... People who are, who are in that kind of an environment and are engaged in that manner are much more happy than people who are bored. Again, very mm-hmm. obvious, you know. Um, people who have a close family unit, who have, you know, one or two really close friends that they can really open up with and invite in, you know, those people are much more happy than people that have 300 Facebook friends, you know, or, or who consider themselves to be lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, again, really, really obvious. And people who do good who have a relationship with a higher power however they define that those people are much more happy than people who are, you know sort of always lying cheating stealing you know people who, who go down that road just aren't very happy and so you know you look at those four sources of happiness and it's, it's really obvious and yet we have more depression in our country now than we've ever had before we have more prescription medications for people who are struggling with issues than ever before and these things sort of sit out there in front of us every day. I mean, one of the things that I did is I just, I talked to people. I just talked to hundreds of people and, you know, I'm a grieving dad and I'm trying to figure this thing out. And, and so I'd ask people, you know, what, you know, what do you think? You know, and it was amazing to me how many people who were my age, you know, 50, 55, 60 years old, who even successful people who are financially very stable, you know, they look back on their lives with just a ton of remorse, you know, they look back and they say, God oh, darn it, I really wish I would have, I really wish I would have done this, and I, I shouldn't have been in this dead-end job with my family, and I, I, I shouldn't have bought expensive of crazy things, I should have traveled the world when I had the chance, you know, and that to me is just super sad it's interesting because as I've gone out and done a lot of these Gunner Project events, you know, I've talked to like seventh graders and eighth graders and ninth graders and I and one of the exercises that we do is I say, let you know, imagine that you're sitting down on the front steps of a of a porch with an elder person who you really respect and you really admire and this person's been there, done that and you know, what, what kind of advice is this older person gonna tell you? And these seventh and eighth and ninth graders, right, are coming up with this advice that's it's just brilliant, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're saying all of the right things, you know? Don't buy expensive stuff. Spend your money on experiences, you know? Spend time with your family. You know, find a job that you love and you're passionate about, you know? Live, live kind of minimally, right? And, and spend, your, spend your money on other stuff. Um, and these are seventh graders, right? Mm-hmm. So my point with these kids is, you guys know all this stuff, so don't <laughs> just act on it. You know, you yeah. you got to do it. Don't be that guy who looks back on their life when they're forty and says, "Ah, shucks, I really shouldn't have have done that," right? Because you know all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's uh, a that, that's
0: an like awesome yeah. exercise. I bet you you just hear this the most amazing things coming from these kids.
1: It's a, it's amazing. I mean, they're they're brilliant, right? They they crazy.
0: So, question for you then, um, so. Because I think we can all relate to being those kids, but then life happens, I think is probably the biggest excuse anybody could say, right? Or life happened, or I started my job, started my company. And as we think about you, me, entrepreneurs, people that own their companies, I think there's this sacrifice now for later, or whatever that might be. So you've learned that these four things are very obvious. I'm curious, how have you implemented those while keeping your company, keeping the work-life balance, and trying to actually... Use the advice and the, the, the kind of the epiphanies that you've seen,
1: yeah, you know it, it, it's interesting because the the idea it, it's I, I don't know if it's an American thing so much, but I'm just going to call it and it's, it's kind of an American thing, right it was that we, we everybody wants this everybody wants this thing to be a big thing. Nobody's interested in little things. I mean if I let's take weight loss for one because that's another big topic with everybody right? If I said that to you that I had a perfect plan for you to lose weight, and I, I knew of a of a way that you could lose 25 pounds guaranteed, and you could keep it off forever, you know, you'd be moderately interested. <laughs> if I if I told you, you know, yeah. if can you lose can you lose one pound in a month, you know, I think everybody on the planet would say, yeah, I could do that, right? I, that's that'd be easy to do. And then my 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 weight loss plan then would be do that for 25 months in a row. <laughs> And people, right. you know, people would look at you—you like you're an alien, right? They would say, well, "That's dumb. That's that." I want to lose 25 pounds in four weeks, right? I want to—I want to eat cauliflower and and drink lemon juice straight, straight, because that's the way I'm going to lose 25 pounds in four weeks. And and that's the way people sort of frame and look at happiness too. They look at it as being some incredible event. And and God darn it, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna work my butt off right now in my um, to build this company, and I'm gonna I'm gonna address happiness later, right? But the investment that you have to make to be happy every single day is it's like a three minute investment. And I don't care who you are or what kind of a business you're building. If you if you don't if you don't have three or four or five minutes in your day, you're screwed. I mean, you're you're gonna painfully for the rest of your life. You know, it just doesn't take that much to get yourself sort, of, you know, and to find happiness. So you ask specifically what I do, you know, in the morning, um, when I'm showering, and I've just sort of created a habit of this so that when I step in the shower, I'm going to do my deal and wash my hair and, and scrub down a little bit. I use that time to just think of, uh, of the day ahead of me and just literally plan to do things that make me happy. I mean, I know what those things are. I know that when I eat a Chinese buffet, I feel terrible, and so I just sort of outline for myself that I'm going I'm to find a way to eat healthy, and and I know that when I talk to this person, this person fires me up, and I love talking to this person, and I know when I talk to this other person, they always make me crabby. Avoid <laughs> talking to them, right? But it's <laughs> yeah, it's just not it's not brain science for me to say, you know, when I get home after work, I'm gonna I'm gonna grab a little something to eat, and I'm gonna go outside and walk around in the woods because. Every time when I'm done walking around in the woods, I come out of that and I'm just like refreshed and I feel I feel clean and I feel connected again, you know. And I'm not looking at doing this, you know, ten hours a day to be happy. It's just these little moments that I've decided to engage in that I know make me happy. Right. Mm-hmm. Most people, yeah, most people just kind of randomly they 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 wake up, they do their deal, they grab a cup of coffee, they they throw their stuff in their car and they jump on the road, and and they just, they're not intentionally finding those moments of happiness. they If they happen to run into something that makes them happy, you know, and they do that a little bit more than other, then they look back on their day, and they say, wow, that was kind of a cool day, and if they just happen to randomly bump into some things that make them crabby, then they look back on their day, and they say, oh man, that day was brutal, you know, get me out of here, that was tough, mm-hmm. and it's like everybody treats this thing like it's completely random, and don't have control over it, which is just
0: crazy. So, so a question for you then because I'm totally in agreement with you because I believe it is a it's a decision to be happy, and you're kind of rewiring the thought loops that are happening in your head. And you know, I, from you know, where our listeners or the people that I enge- engage with that are, are entrepreneurs, they're at this kind of kind of crossroads, whereas in they trying to re-identify themselves outside of the business. I mean, you had a very Specific event that helped you kind of create this new you. Um, What I heard, uh, I was talking to a guy on one of our recent podcasts where he said it's more, it's the journey, it's not the goal. And so when you're thinking about how you tie this happiness concept and how you're doing this and being aware every day, how do you tie that into your, how do you, I guess the question I'm asking is, how do you reevaluate or shift a new goal? to continue to drive those you know daily happiness moments to a new identity or a new vision of who you are outside of your business. You got any thoughts on that?
1: Um yeah, you know, I I'm not sure. The whole idea of goals is another I, I think it's another it's a bit of an issue and I think that the way that we look at goals is sort of a problem. You know, if you from a very early age, you know, we're sort of taught, you know, if you want to if you want to do this deal, then you need to break it down. And you need to figure out, you know, if I want to make, you know, $10,000, then they say, well, you need to figure out how to make $5,000. And then you need, to make how to, you need to figure out how to make $1,000. And then you need to make, figure out how to make $100. And, and you set up these steps, right? You break it down into the final component is some actionable step you take. The problem with the goal-setting thing and the way that we do it I completely agree with whoever you talked about before about the journey is that goal setting thing is all about those, those peaks and those, those places, those, those, you know, those milestones that we're going to hit. Rarely does it talk about the journey. Rarely does it talk about what's going to, what are all the little spaces in between the milestones? Cause that's where all the action sort of happens, you know, Yeah. um, and, and, you know, you, you look at the, the journey and, and I, I, I have a little bit of a, as I've talked to people, I, I, there's a little bit of a disconnect between this idea of I'm an entrepreneur building this thing and sort of a separate, you know, then there's happiness over here on the side and one has to sort of live, you know, outside of the other. I mean, you know, if you, if you just take the, the little things, I'll give an example of, of like a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. So I'm on, on my way to work in the morning and I, I step into a coffee shop and what most people do is they step foot inside the coffee shop, they look up to the menu, they see what they want to do, they wait in line while they're on their phone, checking some email and checking some text, and then when they get to the front of the line they say, I want a half Caf Americano uh with with no whatever and they pay and then they go and they stand in another line and wait for the fix their drink and they pick up their drink off the counter and head out to the car. And they go on, right? And that exact experience could be just incredibly awesome, right? Because if you, if you did it right and you were actually in the moment and you were part of this journey, you would walk inside the coffee shop and you would take just a moment right, when, right inside the door and you'd take a big breath and you'd smell the coffee flavors kind of mixing with the vanilla and the stuff, and you'd smell the bakery goods. That somebody just had some bacon or something on a sandwich, and you could smell that sort of intertwined within the coffee shop. And you'd look up at this board, and you would recognize that, holy crap, somebody took some chalk and intricately drew all of this rose thing around this. I mean, this thing is unbelievable, right? board if you looked at it could probably you could probably pull it off the wall in the coffee shop and put it above, you know, your fireplace in your home. It's it's an incredible art piece. And it's just some dude in the coffee shop showed up this morning at five o'clock and drew these roses and this vine and these dragons and this stuff that I mean it's unbelievable, right? And then you look at the the barista who's there fixing your coffee and doing the deal and heating it and drawing little roses and stuff on the top of it and the people in there are all unique tool, right? They've all got their, I mean, there's so much there to be seen in that coffee shop. By the time you grab your coffee and, and leave there, let alone the, just cup of coffee, you've just seen all these things that are just, they're just amazing, right? And you literally have that opportunity to do that in every single instance that you have every day if you choose to do it. But we sort of walk around with blinders on, you know, we're, we're texting and emailing on our phone and we're, we're crap when we're driving our car just to get from point A to point B. And we miss all this just incredible. And it, it doesn't happen outside of me working or spending time with my kids or doing what it's all, it's all part of that. And every moment there's that stuff that we're, we're just not very well trained to see, you know?
0: So how do you blend? I, I love it. I completely agree because there's there's so much about being present, and that's why there's a, there's a lot of hype around meditation these days. And how do you become present? And as an entrepreneur, um, for you who's actively got the blending of both, and as you start to see, like how has this affected your vision of where you and the company's going to go, and what you're going to be doing as you eventually at some point are out of the business. Because I think the the biggest challenge that I've ever had is always being present, but then driving towards the goals. And then, you know, how do you mar- marry those two up? And So two questions. How do you marry those two up in your current life? And then also, did your vision of what you wanted to do with your company and afterwards change with your whole experience over the last couple of years? Uh, Yeah, I mean, you
1: know, I, I guess the the question that sort of popped into my head when you asked it is how do you not, you know, I mean, if, if I, I don't, I just, I I just don't think if, if I am actively pursuing happiness, and this is something that I'm doing through the course of a day, it's not like I can turn that off for a little while and then work on my business and then turn it back on. I mean, if (laughs) I'm not, if (laughs) I, hold
0: on, let me be be a crabby for a second while we look at the (laughs) financials.
1: Yeah, I mean it. Does it doesn't make any sense? It, 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 it's it's you know when you look at it that way. Why would I? Why would I? I mean, I, and I don't care what you do. You know, I I run an IT company and I enjoy what I do. And we, I'm able to help people every day and help solve problems. And but you know, realistically, if you're in the moment doing whatever you're doing and you're really in the moment, then that by you being in the moment right there at that time, you can't be bored, right? You're bored when you think about the stuff that you that happened yesterday because you saw some Facebook post from somebody that was having a blast and they were in the back of a limo and they were doing this great fun thing and, you know, woe is you because I have to work today, right? And Or I'm bored when I think about, oh, it's going to be so fun this weekend when I get a chance to go and try out my new snowmobile and do all this stuff. But that's just a matter of just not being in the moment and sort of doing what you're doing. So, um, and again, I think that there's, there's soul searching that everybody has to do. If, if you're just in a job that you just, just detest and there's just no way that you can find happiness there. I think you got to look elsewhere. You know, I, there's this, the crazy thing that we talk about a lot in the, in the gunner project events that we talk about is, is this, I call it the Matrix and you know, the matrix is everything around us that's convincing us that we don't have enough, that we need to make more money, that we need to be skinnier, that we need to we need to smell different, so we need to go buy a two hundred dollar bottle of perfume. You know, there's all this noise that just says we need more and we need more and we need more and and that drives us into positions when we're working and trying to make a living where Maybe we're trying to make more money than we really have to to try to keep up with this voice of the matrix, you know, and and it's all sort of tied into the same thing. Um, but but again, I just I don't I don't think you can if you're if you're truly trying to pursue happiness in what you're doing. I think that you're part of what you're doing is you're trying to share that with the others around you too. So when I'm at work, you know, one of the things that we've did that we've done at Imagine IT is. We've created a culture of happiness, which means that we talk about it a lot, um, and that's not normal, right? I mean, you, you don't normally pull around three or four of your friends and grab a six-pack and say, hey, guys, let's, uh, let's all get together and talk about happiness. I mean, <laughs> it just doesn't, it doesn't happen. It, and, and so if you're going to pursue it, if you're going to encourage to pursue it, you have to have a vocabulary so that you can talk about it without feeling like it's squishy and ishy and, ooh, I don't want to go there, you know um so how have you sort that? of done that within...
0: yeah tell me how tell us how you've done that with I mean because you've got a couple partners so you know as you've been on this journey and you've learned so much how have you relayed that to your partners and then how have you made some of this stuff actionable within your uh within your culture
1: yeah you know we we uh we do uh, quarterly meetings where the where I get together with my partners and we just go off off campus and and have a strategy planning meeting and we're doing a planning meeting a couple years ago um fairly shortly after Gunner had had passed and I was kind of in the middle of this research and stuff um, regarding happiness and we kind of looked at each other and said well we need to do this within the company and so I just went back and became um sort of, like you said my title is the Chief Happiness Officer and uh we just became really intentional about it we 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 talk about it at all of our meeting every week, and we talk about different versions of happiness um, within our business. Our why statement, if you're familiar with Simon Senek stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, our why statement is uh, to expand our circle of happiness into the world, um, and, and everybody's sort of bought into that. I have quarterly, at least quarterly meetings with all of my employees, so We're we're 45 employees, and so... I have a quarterly meeting with all, with everybody, and we just have a sit-down, and we just have a face-to-face, and we talk about, you know, where's happiness at? Are you seeing it? Are our partners, you know, do you feel too much stress? What can we do with that? You know, um, we try to have healthy food, you know, around the office for everybody, so everybody, and we, we talk a lot about being healthy. What can we do to help you be healthy? And, and so we just we, we just talk, it's part of what we do every single day, but if any one of my teams sees somebody else who's not happy because we've talked about it and because we're open about it and because we sort of have a vocabulary around it, we can walk up to the guy and say, dude, it doesn't seem like you're, you know, where are you at with this? You know, are you stressing out? Or are you really pursuing happiness? You know, and, but we can talk about it. It's not something where, you know, I go to the kitchen and say to somebody else, wow, it looks like Brian's having a tough day today, right? I just go up to Brian and we just, it's open and it's out there and, and we're really intentional about it. So.
0: Well, you know what's really cool about what you're doing, Mark, is uh, so there's um, some people that have been on the show and there's this book that I read as I was going through my soul-searching after we sold that. Uh, it's called The, the Halftime Institute. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with them or not, but uh, it's about moving from success, success to significance. And there's this uh, perception that in order to do that, you have to sell your company because that's when you can go really make a difference. And um, through, I think you're like a staple child for how you've used your business and the people and the clients and everything that you've ha that you have to make a difference in other people's lives versus just trying to go off and just do this without it. I mean did that ever cross your mind that you might have to part ways with your business in order to get what you don't what you want to do and to accomplish?
1: Uh <clears throat> you know, not really, but sort of. I mean, you know the the challenge that I have is that I see you know, as I go out and talk to, especially talk to kids, I see what an impact I, I have and the potential impact that I have with this generation that, <clears throat> excuse me, that could grow up. I mean, if I'm able to get to a 15-year-old or a 20-year-old and convince them that this pursuit of happiness is something that they should wake up in the morning and try to do every day and they can go the next 30 or 40 years of their lives pursuing this every day and I see that impact, um, you know, I see so many but, you know, I only have so many hours in the day. So, um, you know, could I make more of an impact if I spent all of my time doing gunner project stuff? I, I think so, but I think there's a little bit of a, of a, you know, kind of an academia versus rubber meets the road kind of application also. And I I think that what we've been able to do, you know, at Imagine IT is we've been able to do the rubber meets the road thing, right? I mean, our environment every day, as you know, because you were, you were part of this industry, before you you sold your business but you know all we deal with all day long is is problems i mean people call us they don't call (laughs) say hey mark just want to just want to let you know my computer's working great today you know (laughs) they they call when they you know they call when they can't print or they can't get email or things are broken or their servers down so every every call every interaction that we have with our with our partners every every single day is it's an issue and it's stressful and so um I think our application of happiness as sort of a layer on top of that is a true sort of rub meets the road. Is this just a bunch of BS academia or is this actually something you can take into a business and be intentional about it and, uh, in, you know, kind of rock and roll? So um, it's I'll... been interesting because... Go ahead, oh, go ahead.
0: No, sorry. Go ahead.
1: <clears throat> I just going to say you know it's 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 interesting because our our client partners are noticing this to a certain degree also you know we've had uh, client partners you know call in to say you know how are you doing this and and we've actually gone out I'm I'm actually going out right now and and doing some coaching with some other businesses to say you know how do we how do we implement the happiness program within our environment because they're struggling with some of that specificity
0: well, and that's that, and that I think your example is spot on, and that's kind of what I was um, referring to when I when I said how you're actually implementing this. You can use your business as a way to. I mean, if you got forty two employees, whatever you said you have. So you're changing them, their families, because they're they're going to work and they're not coming home pissed off. But then also those people interact with how many different people every single day that instead of calling because they can't print or can't do something, they get off the phone more happy. I mean, it's a ripple effect is what you're doing. You're actually moving the needle in people's lives all day long. Yeah,
1: I, I think so. I, I, I truly do, you know, and as we you know one of the one of the kind of the concepts that we talk about with the gunner project stuff is sort of this advancement to you know sort of just moving your happiness level up to a point where you're actually pretty happy at the end of most of your days i mean i don't think it's possible for anybody to be fully happy every day i think that's just a mythical idea but uh, you know at the end of the day if you look back in your day and you say yeah pretty cool day i i think you've been you've been successful right i mean mm-hmm. I like to talk to people about, you know, adding more to the world, adding more to my day than I took away from it, right? Yep. I mean there's some times where you're just gonna be crabby and you're gonna be a little bit irritable. But if I've if I've given more back to the people around me and to the community and to the environment and stuff, if I've given more during the day than I've taken from it, I think you you sorta of know that, right, in your heart of heart and you look back on your day and you say, Yeah, that was a pretty cool day. And you know you do that for 6 days out of 7 or you do it for a whole week and you're kind of having those days, you know, you look back on that week and you say, "Wow. I'm kind of on a roll here. This is this is awesome, right?" And all of a sudden you have this you've done it for a month and it's just like you're on you're on cloud 9. I mean, it's almost artificial because it's just so it's so cool. It's just but it's tough if you do one day's awesome and the next day you fall off the cliff and you have a terrible day and the next day's, you know, pretty good and the next day you fall off the cliff again. You know that kind of a teeter totter is is you know it's pretty brutal, kind of hard.
0: Well, I, and I agree with you. And you know, so how I you know cope with a lot of that is is marrying the present with the future, and me it, being conscious and aware of the journey every day. So I, I'm I'm curious, you know, where where does it, you know where does the business in your life? Where do you know how have you envisioned your future, and how do you progress on your journey. I'm just kind of curious. I mean, do you see yourself? It, has it married up with the, the business or do you see yourself? I'm just kind of curious. And like, I, the reason I'm asking, Mark, I guess, is because it's trying to redo the vision of where you want to go over the next 10 to 20 years. You know, as, as these business owners, is it to keep the business and to, to reevaluate how they can change their lives and their people? or is it trying to figure out what's the next goal where's the point B and the point B can't be a revenue dollar amount anymore it's got to be something different and how do how do you how have you envisioned that or done that for yourself
1: um you know honestly as this thing has evolved i i'm i'm less concerned with it i'm i'm i I don't have it. I, I admittedly don't have it really well defined, and I'm I'm just not wigging out about it, and I'm not worried about it. I I feel like I'm getting up every morning, and I'm contributing, and I'm making other people happy, and I'm kind of doing my deal. And again, at the end of the day, when I look back on my days, I'm I'm generally I feel pretty good about kind of how the days have gone, and um I'm not. I, I feel like there's going to be a time where it's just going to feel right to me that that i need to move on and and maybe kick this gunner project thing into the next level or something and, and if i decide to do that i'll i'll have to separate from the business and sell it to my partners or or exit in whatever way that we decide to exit but um, i'm not forcing that I, I i don't have it written down that that, that on this date when i turn mm-hmm. you know sixty one and a half i'm going to do this because of tax reasons or whatever i I'm just not there. I'm I'm really comfortable with where I'm at from a business perspective. Again, I feel like I I feel at the end of my days, you know, that my my time that I've spent with Imagine IT and my partners has been really well spent, and I'm and I'm giving back and and I've and it's enough. I've got enough left over where I can still spend a significant amount of time, sort of pushing the Gunner Project stuff.
0: I. I think, I I appreciate the the honesty because I I think you know a lot of people that are in their businesses they they believe there's this preconceived notion that they have to have everything figured out you know and I, and I I love how open you are about it because you know to not have to like directly answer well, here's where we're going this is what we're doing this is why here's my plan like you said at 61 here's what I'm going to do because you're in the halftime world that I was referring to, they call it this transition phase. And the goal is to do it with time and reflection and not have to make a commitment one way or the other, because it takes time. And I think it's really cool how you've, you've not committed to the outside world that you're going to do one thing versus the other. And you're letting things naturally take place. I really, really enjoy it.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I I guess a, Couple of things to that one. I I know a whole bunch of people that have done that, where they just they sort of set a, a, a date out there and they're just going to retire at this at this time. And the day after they did it, they feel like they've made a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. It just you know, they they have this vision that as soon as I as soon as I'm out of my business, wow, this is going to be so cool and and everything's going to be awesome and I'm going to live my the rest of my life and every day is just going to be perfect and as you know right in the stuff that you're doing right now that's rarely the case there's just a huge void that you have to fill and um so i, so I think there's i think there's a big misconception and a misnomer out there about that the other thing i think that you have to do that i'm i am getting better at i'm not i'm not skilled enough at it yet but i believe it's a skill so i think it's something that i can work on is just kind of listening i mean y yeah we have a tendency to talk a lot and listen less. And I'm just confident that if I, if I sort of just take some quiet time and listen to kind of my heart of hearts, I'm going to know when it's time for me to transition and move on. And and when that happens, if I let it happen in that regard and let it happen sort of organically and naturally, instead of trying to force it, I -hmm. think that when it happens, I'm going to make that transition, you know, very smoothly
0: um I think that's you know really what I mean I, no, I think that's really good advice because then that 's what I mean where you know we've we 've got this pressure from our employees or our vendors or our clients or whatever to have the answers all the time, and that 's when you say we just talk talk talk, talk and commit or whatever it is, but like you said to uh, to sit back and just take a pause um, one of the guys that was on our uh, on our show, his name is Joe Sweeney. And, he was talking about. Uh, he's actually written a new book called um, "After Further Review," and it's about taking a pause, like when the ref blows the blows the whistle and has a red flag. He's like, you just have to take time to listen because you you'll actually hear and learn more in those in those breaks of silence. Yeah,
1: yeah, I totally agree.
0: Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I mean, you had so many, so many words of wisdom throughout, uh, throughout the conversation. I know we could probably talk, talk about it. I mean, it's a very, very awesome subject and, and I, I applaud you for, for keeping true to the journey. What is the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you?
1: Um, well, you know, we have a, we have a website. It's, uh, it's still, um, in its infancy, but there's a lot of pretty good information there. And you can contact me through the website that, uh, Website address is gunnerproject.org. And uh, if there was a specific question or something that somebody had, uh, they could certainly reach me also through my email, which is mark, M-A-R-C, at gunnerproject.org. So I'd be happy to uh, to uh, touch base with somebody or grab a cup of coffee or whatever whatever they need. So,
0: Mark, thanks so much for coming on the show. appreciate it.
1: Yep, thank you.